Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of funny games for the evening. Fam, I'm gonna level with you. I got nothing. I got nothing on this team. I, I, I you know, we're coming up on. I, I was looking at it the other, well, last week when Kelly published the episode, and I saw it was uh, BSH Radio number three six nine, which is funny in itself. But I remember we started. Our first episode of me and Charlie and Kelly and Steph was episode number 79 of BSH Radio. So we're we're coming up on episode 300, and that doesn't include you know all the checking out the competitions, the post games, flyperboles, ice sport was uh, like on the feed for a while, all the shit that we did, you know the uh, all the what was pandemic episodes. 300 episodes of just the flagship show. This team has gone nowhere in that time. Like, we're going to talk about shit I bet you we talked about on episode 79. Uh, I just read, and we'll we'll get to the intros, I guess, now, before I just (laughs) fall into this pit of despair. Uh, Recording from an undisclosed location, the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I gotta tell you, I am, um, like, energized because I just got back from Canada. Yeah, how was that? It looked like fun. It was great. I'd never been to Ottawa, and it was lovely. Very nice. Oh, enemy territory. Yeah, and I went into the enemy building, and it was nice. It looked like a very good hockey building, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, all of the seats looked very good. It had that, like, very steep second and third level, so, like, everything feels very close to the ice. I love that. Um... What concert yeah, so did you see? Pearl Jam. Ah, okay. Yeah, your favorite band. Yeah, so I am, like, uh, energized both from the first Pearl Jam tour in, like, six years and also uh, going and tagging tagging home base <laughs> in Canada, which, like, energizes me. So despite my NPR voice, I'm going to have an energized show, I think. Excellent. Uh, how's Claude? Is, is he doing well? I looked for him. I didn't see he, him. He wasn't there. I, I guess you would have had to go to like a country concert or something. Oh, I like it, like some kind of like Swedish house music <laughs> or whatever the fuck he listens to, whatever garbage music he listens to. And from theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same spot that Bill is, where you're just kind of like, what is there even really to talk about? We got the, you know, the season's coming. Then there will be things to talk about. But the, the thing I keep coming back to, and this is why it's very difficult to not cover this team, because it's not that hard to cover a, a hockey team, but it's just, hard to, the it's just hard to sort of know what even people should be rooting for. Because the more I think about this, like, what is the Flyers' 
plan internally. And their plan internally is what, what they want to see happen is they want John Tortorella to change the culture. They want this team to be tougher to play against. They want this team to, you know, be tighter on the ice, to have, have more structure, to play better defensively, to support each other better. That's what they want. And they believe that John Tortorella is the guy that can do it. That's why, you know, they're they're adding these character signings, like, you know, Ristolainen because he hits and balances out the defense, and Delorier because he fights, and he's going to stick up for the young guys, and... All this stuff, it's all about, like, we're going to change the culture and we're going to make this team a more competitive, tougher team to play against. And you know what? I may not agree with all the ways they're trying to do that, but I do concur that this team does need to be tougher to play against. This team does need to play with more structure. This team does need to play and support each other more on the ice and stop blowing coverages and stuff. Totally agree. That is a priority. However, what I keep coming back to is that even if everything works out the way they want it to in that regard. You know, John Tortorella does a good job coaching this team, and this team is tougher to play against. And they they are more competitive. And even when they lose, they don't lose in embarrassing ways. Even if all that comes to fruition, like, this team still isn't good enough to actually win it. Like, maybe they slip into the playoffs, but they still have no path to getting the kind of high-end players that will allow them to actually win titles. So, like, I know what they want to happen, but what they want to happen just will make it even tougher for them to get what actually needs to happen for them to actually have a chance to win a championship, which is why I'm having this, like, back and forth in my head where, at least in the past, what they wanted to happen and what needed to happen for this team to be real good, at least they lined up. Now, the problem is, is that I don't think they line up. What they want to happen, again, it goes back to that, that joke I made about South Park where it's like, get tougher to play against, question mark, question mark, question mark, win championship. <laughs> like, they, they, they think this is the first step, but they have not yet outlined how the second step of, you know, getting players that actually scare other teams. Like, they haven't, we have no idea how that's going to happen, and the only way for that to happen if they don't have a plan to get those guys is be real bad, but they don't want to be real bad. So That's... we're left either rooting for them to somehow stumble into star players the way they stumbled into Claude Giroux, or their entire plan be a failure and them stumble into good players by being unintentionally bad. Like, stumble into is the perfect... You know, Bobby Clark went to the podium not knowing Claude Giroux's name, and he ended up being, like, the best player of the last 30 years for the team. Uh-huh. Like, what are the chances? You know, what the fuck are the chances that that happens again? That he just luck into a dude? I, I just... The path towards anything. It, it, I don't even know what I want to see happen this year. I guess I want to see them suck, because that's the only way. But, I like, last year, they said there's two ways to go and get high-end players. You sign them in free agency, which they have no money. They've proven they don't feel like doing the things they have to do to open up the money to get those guys. Or suck. They said in that press conference, well, you know, the other way is, you know, you, you get at the top of the draft and get a, get a few shots at those high-end players there. They have no intention of doing that. 
How does this team, again, getting back to, I, I just, it was October 2016 when we started this podcast together. Oh it was God. the, it was the beginning, I know, right? It was the, it was the kickoff to the 50th anniversary season. It was Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov's rookie year. This is going to be the seventh year in the league for those guys. Nothing has changed. They're the exact same team minus the best player. I, I'm baffled at how, you know, how they think this is acceptable. How they think this is how a team should be run. Like, we, I've made a joke several times that Chuck Fletcher is now doing the Ron Hextall plan that he, like, had to change. Like, Ron Hextall got fired, and he was here to have a bias for action and get things moving, get the f- finish off the rebuild, get us going in a, a new direction. Nope, we're going to do that thing all over again. We're not going to bottom out. We're just going to kind of, you know, retool on the fly. See how that goes. After we're seeing how it went. Fucking poorly. (laughs) I I just... It didn't work. (laughs) It didn't work. So this is interesting because earlier today I asked for um, topics on Twitter again because none of us wants to do our job and there's nothing to talk about. Um... And someone, Frank Zafiro, um, his question was something like, listen, everything's been negative forever. And that makes sense. But what if you flip the script and we're positive or something? But like, is it even, like Charlie said, you don't know what to root for. Is it even being <laughs> negative to root for the team to be bad at this point? Like, I don't know if that's a negative thing to be doing at this point. But then is it negative to want them to win? Like, it's, it's, it's a very fucked situation. Yeah. Because yes. nothing makes any sense. Well, because it, it may be the best thing for this organization to be real bad this year. But that doesn't make it fun to watch them be real bad. Like, it's still going to be miserable to watch them be awful <laughs> for 82 games. Even, that's the, even if that's the best thing for the long term, in the short term, it's going to suck. Because watching a competitive hockey team is much more fun than watching one that is just a joke. That's, I was saying to Charlie before you came in, uh, Kelly, like, you know, it, this isn't a once-a-week 16, 17-game schedule. It's 82 games. It's every fucking night for months. When a Philadelphia Flyer takes a shot, I want it to go in the net. When their opponent shoots, I want Carter Hart to stop it. It's really hard to root against them when you have to watch them every night. But it's like, how? How do they ever get any better? They've been the exact same thing minus a stretch from January to mid-March of 2020, which, you know, it wasn't even March because the season shut down in fucking March 11th. Like, (laughs) it was a month, it was a month and 10 days. Two months and ten days where we saw them actually play like a good team for a little bit of time. Yeah, there was the Gostas Bear run (laughs) where he was just scoring overtime winners every night. Like, that was great. They've had a few stretches, but for the most part, they have been just aggressively mediocre for seven years now. It's it's almost impossible to... Probably. (laughs) The happiest I've ever been in my life. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, it was kind of like now in like hindsight where we are right now, it was kind of like really bad that that happened because it clearly wasn't real. 
at this point, I think we can say clearly wasn't real, but it seems to have tricked the people running this organization into thinking that yeah. this core of players can actually be good because they did it once before. No, and it's uh, I, uh, what I wanted to get into, like a real topic today was uh, Travis Konechny. Like I mentioned, when we started this podcast in the, in the fall of 2016, it was going into his rookie season. And now here we are, he's entering year seven. And I was just, you know, cruising the internet looking for some topics, and I find uh, he did a little Q&A on the Flyers' website. And I'm just sitting there like, man, I'm sick of this group of players. I just want a different group of guys. <laughs> but, like, I, I, thinking about that stretch and that season, 2019-20, pre-pandemic, you know, 66 games uh, Travis Konechny played, 24 goals, which was his career high. He scored that the previous two years, but in 81 and 82 games. And 61 points, almost a point-a-game player. And it's like, yeah, that stretch, does management still think that's who he is? Like, he's got, I, no, what, but 88 think, points since then? I think there is, there is definitely, I think this is the case for Ivan Provorov, too. With Konechny and Provorov, there is... I think a legitimate fear on the part of Chuck Fletcher in the front office that if they trade one or both of them, that in who they trade them to, they're going to, th that player will then immediately bounce back and be the player that the Flyers at one time hoped that both of them were going to become. And then they're going to look real dumb. I think I that, mean... that I think is a big part of why both these players are still here is that it's this fear that, we they think those both those guys can be figured out, and they're afraid that if they give up on that, someone else is going to figure them out, and then they're going to look real dumb for trading. I mean, he's going to be twenty six in March. Uh, happy three eleven day, Travis Connecting. Um, I, I just isn't this when like this isn't the NHL of ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. This is his prime right now. Uh, the, yeah. the idea that you haven't figured out Travis Konechny at 25 entering year seven is fucking insane. Like, the guy has scored, like, at the exact same pace three of his six years. He's had in 82 points, 47, or 82, 81 games, 47 points. 82 games, 49 points. 79 games, 52 points. That's half of his career. He's done the exact same thing. And last year, sure, there's more goal scoring there. I think he had some sort of hand or wrist injury or something. He just couldn't shoot. Or maybe, like... He's going back to the Travis Konechny that fucking fires muffins on net. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> but just, this is who he is. He is a good second-line player. If you have a good team, Travis Konechny could be on it. You know what he doesn't make you? Any fucking better than you already are. He can absolutely put up 50 points for you on a good second line. He doesn't make anyone better. He, like... Power play points, he's got fucking 20 career power play points. Or that's goals, excuse me. Uh, 20 career power play goals and another 39 points. He, he's, uh, 39 a second, assists. he's a secondary guy. He's just a second-line player. He's, he's not a yes. driver. He's not, he's not someone who's going to step up and be like, this is my freaking power play. That's not Travis Konechny. He could be on a first unit if he's with guys who are that type, but he's not the guy. And yeah, I mean, he's a good second liner. He's probably a great third liner. 
but he's a good second liner. Travis Konecki's a good player. I like Travis Konecki. Yeah, he's it's good. I that, like him. Like, it's just that if you're waiting for him to, I I'm I don't go so as far as you, Bill, and that like I don't think that that January through March thing was a total mirage. I just think the whole thing fell apart for a lot of other reasons. But I do believe that the Travis Konecki from that season, like that was his career year. I think. I yeah, do not think yeah. he's ever going to have that kind of year again. Like, he's 22 that season, and he shot 17%. He's a career 11.5% guy. What's more a, likely? It's like, a bummer. Like, he figures it out? It's a bummer, <laughs> because, like, if you have that good of a year at age 22, you're thinking, yeah. you know, this guy could be really, really good. And then he just regressed. And I, I guess one of the reasons, and I'm, my guess is this is something that has probably been pitched internally with the Flyers. And it's one of the reasons why, again, and I know fans are going to get all angry about this. You guys are probably going to get all angry about this. But I do believe it's the, the idea has been brought up about somebody like Konechny that outside circumstances have contributed to the fact that he has not developed as they've wanted. In that the, year, the, the seasons have been strange because of the pandemic. In that the coaching situation has been weird. You know, last season was a disaster. And I think that that concept of like, we can still get more out of Konechny because these last couple seasons have been uniquely strange. I think that has been thrown around a lot in, internally. So, like, I do wonder if, in a better organization, 22-year-old Travis Konechny having that year does, in fact, get better after that. The problem is um, it's still the same disaster of an organization that it was yeah. Four years ago. So why would you think that now he's going to get better? Like, it's just, it, if the Flyers are ruining the players because it's a disaster, be it coaching, front office, locker room fighting with each other, whatever the fuck it is, it's a disaster. That's all still the same. Yeah, well, that was, that was one of the points I made last summer. Um, and, and I think Kurt echoed it in a column of his as well. Um, I'm honestly not sure who came up with the idea first, but the point I made was that last summer, the Flyers were seemingly making a lot of moves where they were bringing in guys, and the theory behind bringing them in was that, well, they were with a, they were with a dumpster fire team, they'll be better in a new environment. And yes. the point I made is that what makes you so sure that this is a good environment? Like, yeah, the, what the, winning culture are like, you referring to? Like, the idea that, like, well, if we just get Ristolainen out of Buffalo, he'll be good because Buffalo is a disaster. Like, why are you sure that this is great? Like, yeah, like why do not. you think that, like, yeah, like, like, it'd be one thing if, like, you got Ristolainen and put him with, like, the Lightning. Then, you'd be, maybe. Right, yeah. But, like, one of, the Flyers one of the, are not the Lightning. And they were making one of last yeah. summer as if they thought that they were like, well, we'll get him into our organization. And because our organization is so great, we'll turn these guys around. Like, is your organization really that great? Is it? One of the things, one of the things that made Buffalo a disaster is the misevaluation of players like Rasmus Ristolainen. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's thinking he's good that makes you bad. Yeah. Uh, it's it just absolutely, uh, I do, I'm not going to totally dismiss the idea that perhaps there is more, like, not that they're going to get more out of him, not that he's suddenly going to become a perennial all-star, but in an alternate universe, there could have, they could have gotten more out of Travis Konechny. It's just like, 
it's it's year seven, man. That yeah, it's not wait and see. One. Yeah, it's it's not wait and see time with Travis Konechny anymore. It's he's it's year seven. He is who the fuck he is. Are you shocked he's here? I know you, we've said like, oh, maybe they're just operating under that fear of they don't want it to be Justin Williams, you know, Patrick Sharp. They just operating. They hate that apparently those Twitter complaints so much. Uh, you know, why don't you listen to me? When I go on about that shit, I, you listen. When I talk for two years about how you need to get fucking Johnny Goudreau at all costs, no, that's a bridge too far. It's never <laughs> moving on from a mediocre player. That we can't do. Uh, regardless, are you shocked? He's still. Are you shocked? He's still here. A little bit. I'm not. I shocked mean, only. Well. In the sense that, like, if they were going to over this, like, right this second, no. If they were this summer going to actually improve the team, he is one of those guys that you probably would have to include in a trade for a good player. But right. they decided they didn't need to improve the team. So, in that sense, not really surprised that he's still here. I just, if you're gonna, we tried a culture change last year. It did not work. In fact, clearly, it was a, it was a disaster. <laughs> the culture you changed to was somehow even fucking worse. Uh, now you bring in John Tortorella, and I know he's a good coach. He's going to the Hall of Fame. All the all the superlatives we can throw at John Tortorella. Sure, is he some development master? Like, who are the group of players that reach this other level under like? He just kind of gets underachievers to get to their level. Uh, and, like, as a team. I can't think of the guys who, oh, yeah, and then he became a point-of-game player. Like, who? Who are these? I just don't see how this plan has any chance of success. I, none. <laughs> that's that's a really uh, optimistic viewpoint, though. <laughs> Just, what even is success? What does success look like? Almost yeah, that, making that, the playoffs? That's the point I made at the start of the show. That what is success? The, the thing with connecting, the reason why I'm not surprised that he's still here. Because again, you have to look at this in the, in the, like, through the lens that the Flyers are looking at this. And one point that we've made on this I show. Drop some LSD and hit myself quite, with a hammer. <laughs> but one point that we've made on the show quite a few times, and I think it's a salient point about connecting, is that Travis Konechny would is would be a useful player, a very useful player on a good hockey team. The Flyers <laughs> think that they are building a good hockey team. And their thing is like, why would we trade Travis Konechny? Because when we're good, we're going to need a Travis Konechny. So why do we trade yeah. Travis Konechny just to then in three years need another Travis Konechny? Again, like, but I'm, I'm saying like, this is how they're thinking. And that do I think I that, do I think that if a trade... Like like stumbled they've stumbled upon a trade where they could trade Konechny for a better player that they would do it yeah they would I don't think Travis Konechny is off the table by any means but they look at it as when we're good we're going to need Travis Konechny so why trade Travis Konechny just to trade Travis Konechny which in a vacuum I understand the problem is is that like again it goes back to the overarching point which is what's your pathway to getting to the point where you can actually use Travis Konechny the way he should be used. Right, because it gets back to the core of the entire problem in that they don't appear to know how to evaluate talent in 2022 in the sense that, like, what makes a winning hockey team? Like, they think the team's good. That's why we need Travis Konechny. 
but the team's real bad. So, like, how do we solve that problem? And that and that's where you get back to the Johnny Gujar thing. Like, right. I I get it to a point. I do. And and I I've made the point that like, does Johnny Gujar actually fit with this timeline? And I the Flyers kind of use that argument as well with Tortorella making that point and Fletcher in a roundabout sort of way making that point. But again, you've acknowledged what this team needs is high in talent. Your plan, okay, your plan is to not be bad, is to be at least decent because that's what you want to do. You want to be decent, which means you're not going to be drafting at the top of the draft, so you're not going to get the high-end talent there. So that's out. Because you're not drafting at the top end of the draft, you're not going to get the kind of players that necessarily you're going to be able to trade for high-end talent, like young prospect blue-chip pieces. Plus, you're in a bad cap situation, so do you even have the cap space to trade for those guys? And then you have Johnny Goudreau, a legitimate star who wants to come wants to come to the city, and you say, no, we're not willing to do what we need to do to get him. And then Tortorella, I thought, was very interesting. He basically said something when he interviewed with Jordan Hall and then just, like, ripped everyone for, you know, basically it was very much one of those, like, us against the world, like, no one believes in us kind of thing. I get it. I, I don't begrudge Tortorella that motivation tactic. It's a tried and true one. But Tortorella says something to the extent of, like, Maybe we're not ready to sign a Johnny Goudreau yet. You know, we're not at that point yet. And that's fair. However, I got news for you. The next time a star player of his caliber hits the market, there's a very, very minuscule chance that star player is going to want to sign in Philadelphia. This guy actually did. I don't know the next time that the next Johnny Goudreau caliber free agent is going to even have a modicum of interest in signing with the Flyers. So maybe this was your only shot to do it in free agency because you're not going to do it in the draft unless you luck into Claude Giroux version 2.0 and your cap situation is still bad. So I don't know how you work out a trade. So where are you getting these guys? This might, it wasn't perfect. The Goudreau situation was not perfect was maybe a year or two early. Yes, he's an older player. You don't know how he's going to age. I get that. But maybe this was your only chance, and you just were like, nah. We're going to wait two years, and we're going to hope that like the next superstar happens to like have a distant aunt who grew up in Philadelphia <laughs> and wants to live there. He's somebody I who would... really likes good pizza. <laughs> I would just love... I would love... For that, okay, Johnny doesn't fit the timeline. Lay out the timeline for me. Like, go ahead, explain it. Like, I, 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 I'm all fucking ears here because we have Hayes under contract. We extended Couturier. If not now, since you're not tanking, what the fuck is the timeline? Oh yeah, well we're like so the chance the, the the point is not to be really good like that. So what's the point? What exactly is the goal of this season? Like, I keep saying, the only reason the Flyers exist this year is to fill out every other fucking team's schedule. There is absolutely no point for them to even be taking the ice this season. And I really just, getting back to something Charlie said a few minutes ago about um, tr- uh, about Travis Konechny. Uh, you know, well, why why would we trade Travis Konechny when in three years when we're good? It's hilarious because now they probably don't think actually like oh, it's going to be three years, but whatever. It will be at least. Um, 
his contract is of course up in three years. <laughs> He'll be an unrestricted free agent, which is hilarious. Like, and you know, that'll, they'll be hoping to extend him probably. And then he'll not sign and walk, but they were thinking they could contend. So they'll keep him. Uh, I, I'm just so, is there a chance we're all crazy? And cause like every year we go in with like, some modicum of optimism only yeah. to like be crushed like bugs. Yeah, this year um, it's just non existent. Under the weight of reality. The only, the only way that this works, like not works the way they seem to think, like to want it to work, but like actually works. The only way this really works is if one or two guys on the current roster or one or two prospects take a leap from being they're good to being holy shit, they're great. Like, if Carter Hart develops into a 930 save percentage goaltender and Joel Farabee turns into a 40-goal scorer, like, then it, then it could work. Then it could work. But if that doesn't happen and Ivan Provorov remains, like, a borderline number two, number three defenseman and Travis Sanheim is a really good number three and Carter Hart is a perfectly fine starting goalie but not an amazing one and Joel Farabee is a 25-30 to 30 goal scorer this isn't going to work. It might work the way they're envisioning and that we're going to be more competitive and tougher to play against and we're going to, you know, compete for a playoff spot and, you know, maybe people will get excited about that. But in terms of building an actual cup contender, no, that won't work because they're never going to get the players that they need to compete with the Colorados and the Tampas and, you know, the, like, the, the actual threats. They're not the going to get those players. Yeah. So they're going to be, like hoping that they're like the islanders i mean hockey's dumb as shit <laughs> yeah hockey's dumb as shit so there is like a 50 50 chance that we're well, stupid not, and not they're 50, actually 50, gonna be good but it, there's always a, a possibility 50, 50. look the flyers could be decent this year i am not ruling out that possibility they're I, like john tortorella is a good coach <laughs> the flyers are not devoid of talent the flyers could be decent this year my point is that even if the flyers are decent this year that's actually bad that that to me and like, like that that's what kills it for me is that like even yeah. the best case realistic scenario for the Flyers in the grand scheme of things actually isn't a best case scenario at all. And like decent doesn't make the playoffs in the East. Yeah. No. Like you Not need right like now. three other teams to get in fucking bus accidents to make the playoffs at this point. <laughs> uh, just being decent. I'm just like that's uh, that's their path. Like some sort of horrible disaster. Uh, I, I how could they possibly put this team on the ice and think like they're almost two and a half million dollars over the cap? They don't have a single guy that you're like, oh yeah, he's a first line player. I guess Sean Couturier, Couturier. we can we can go Couturier about is and, absolutely a first line player. Sure, if we're gonna say he's healthy, which is definitely gonna be a thing for a Flyers player to come back and and be just ready to go uh, after the last three years of what we've seen, that's probably what's gonna happen. He'll be Selkie Couturier all over again. Sure, we can we can live in that fantasy land. I'll allow us that fantasy because what I, I, have we fulfilled the uh, that person's can you be optimistic question yet? Uh, the answer is a solid. We don't know. The answer is pretty much no. What that means? Yeah. You're like, what even is what even is optimism for this team? Because uh, I just keep thinking they're going to be so aggressively mediocre. Like being optimistic is they're a fucking sixty point team and maybe they get Bedard. Like yeah. maybe no, I'm no, overestimating I, as, them. As I said, optimism to me, optimism for this team 
actual optimism for this team is less about, for this season at least, is less about team performance and more about the performance of individual players. Like, rather than being like, I'm rooting for this team to win the cup, it should be, I'm rooting for two or three guys to take massive leaps forward to present themselves as like potential core players of a really good team. Like that's what people should be rooting for because that's what they need. Right now they have Couturier who is 30 and I love the guy, but he's 30. Like even if Sean Couturier comes back, well, he turns 30 in December. He's 29 now. Sorry. I, as, as someone who is in his thirties, I, I apologize for making someone seem older than they are because yeah, that sucks. So anyway, Couturier is, is good enough to be a core player on a Stanley Cup contender, absolutely. But he probably has like three, maybe four years more of being that guy. And the question is, who else on this team or in this organization can get on his level during the stretch of time he has left while he is still a guy good enough to be a core player on a cup winner? Also, like, he is absolutely good enough to be a core player on a Stanley Cup caliber team, but he's not meant to be the best player. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And he's, he's our bu- best player. Yes. Like, Travis Konechny, I assume, could very well lead this team in, like, scoring points, whatever, this year. But Couturier is still their best player. Yeah, and 100%. Man, I, I, I like Couturier. He's, he's a second line player. He's not fucking. He's not, yeah. He's not Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. Like he's not. He's not anyone on those Stanley Cup finalists this year. He's a third line player on Tampa. Like I, I I'm just. Uh, how are they two and a half million dollars over the cap? That's like, the best where part. is this that money is going? The best part. Like, where the <laughs> fuck is that's this money? So good. They, how do they not just look at their spreadsheets and go like? Wow, we're really bad at this. There's... I got news for you. Spreadsheets are for fucking nerds, and there's no nerds in that yep. room. Yeah, I mean, Bob Clark, I'm, I'm a nerd. Bob Clark I use spreadsheets. Use spreadsheets. All the time. Yeah, I got two <laughs> spreadsheets open on my uh, computer right now. Love I mean, it. they have to have some sort of budget, right? That tell. Do, do you think they know they're two and a half million dollars over the cap? I think yeah. the, fl- the Flyers are in a situation now. I, I honestly do believe this, where like. <laughs> The closer, the closer you are to the situation, the more you can talk yourself into it not being that bad. But if you're at a distance and you look at their situation, like you're not like in the weeds, and you look at it and you just say like, "God, this team is going nowhere." Like if you're if you're in it, it's like you can't quite see it. But if you're a bit like disconnected from it and you're just like scroll like if you're just a random fan of like the St. Louis Blues and you scroll you're scrolling through cap friendly because you're bored and you're looking at other teams and you come across the Flyers like you're not you don't look at the Flyers and say well I mean you know Kevin Hayes Kevin Hayes was looked healthy the, the, the second half of the year when he came back and had that surgery and you know you know Travis Konechny could bounce back to where he was two years ago and Joel Farabee has potential you look at it and you say this is an 84 million dollar roster like that's what you yeah. look at. <laughs> and that's the thing that's that's maddening is that I wonder how insulated they have made themselves from the rest of the hockey world because it's at this point it's not just us and the local media talking about how much of a disaster the Flyers are. Like it's Friedman and Merrick. It's Dom Loose Chicken. I said it wrong. I don't care. You're close. Um 
Yeah. It's <laughs> it's like respected national level big time names are pointing out that the Flyers are a disaster. Is anyone in the organization hearing that? Or have they just like built a little bubble around themselves where they've convinced themselves that what they're doing is good and fuck everyone else? Kelly. Because what, they're smarter. What those people fail to understand is this is the year Morgan Frost shows us he's a centerpiece of an organization. This is it. This is the year. It's also <laughs> no one's no one's tried doing a full goon lineup for a long time. Yeah. Maybe it's low key. <laughs> Like I saw, way. there's a, who did I see available uh, that I'm kind of shocked? I mean, they have no money. Oh, Anton Roussel, he's available. Uh, Jay Beagle. Like, years ago, I used to like Edward Roussel. He was a legitimately really good underrated bottom sixer. Then he got hurt, and he's never been the same. But we at need, one time, I thought some, he was good. Do we have enough bottom sixers? I don't know. Good question. Might need it. Might need another two or three. <laughs> well, when, when, you have, when you have so many that... They're now no longer bottom sixers. No. They they have they, they have flo- they have floated into your top six. Yeah, like you turns. need to fill you need to fill out that bottom six again. You need to replenish here. You need to get back. Like, okay, just... you you want me, you want to give me give you a little bit of optimism here? Yeah, I yeah, will provide please. a little. So I am currently working on our version of the uh, our top twenty flyers prospects list. That the goal is to have that out next week. And oh, fucking finally, some Charlie content. Jesus yeah, what, exactly. What am I supposed to write the show about Charlie? Jesus yeah, Christ. And out of the top 12 prospects that we ranked, let's see, what's the number? Um, nine of them I project to be with the Phantoms, and one of them I project to be with the Flyers. So, like... The next wave is coming. Now, Grant, how good that next wave is, I guess we'll see. But, like, aside from Cutter Gauthier and Emile Andre, everybody in the top 12 is going to be a pro player in the Flyers organization this year. And that's kind of exciting. At the very least, if the Flyers are bad, you can go an hour, 15 minutes up the road and go see some intriguing prospects in Lehigh Valley. You know, there's a guy, he only got a cup of coffee with the Flyers. I think it was like four games last year, but I think this defenseman they have, Ryan Ellis, could really uh, could really be something for them. Uh, he was productive. He had like five points in those four games. So maybe uh, with another year of seasoning, he could he could really be. No, uh, I do. I, I was just thinking, like, if the optimism is that, and Charlie said, we don't know how good these guys are going to be. How good did we think Proverov and Konechny were going to be? You know, we, we've done this. We've done this one before too. But I will say, you know, I started the show saying I'm just sick of talking about this group of players. I'm all for a next wave. I don't care if they stink. I just want the. I want the unknown. I would yeah. much prefer the unknown to like better. to knowing that. Oh yeah, we have a whole bunch of middle sixers. Like as, yeah, as we absolutely. Know from- would from take the history the of this show is that <laughs> yeah. the unknown you can just project anything yeah. onto them. Yeah, Bobby Brink, fifty goal scorer. Who's to Maybe. say? Yeah, who's to say? I don't know. Never uh, seen him. Never uh, seen him play in the NHL. I was thinking though because I want to do like you know, there's going to be opportunities this year. I think for uh, group activities, maybe. But I also I don't want to. 
I don't want to go to games and like support going to games and uh, be I'm a part of that. I know you are, and that's fine. That's one. I hope you have a great time. I would never deny you that. And maybe if we put something together with the Flyers, I'd be in. Uh, but the Phantoms would could be, be a. So you would go. Yeah, the Phantoms could be a, a fun road trip for us. Maybe get like a bus. Actually, yeah, get a little oh, fuck a bus. Yeah, Phantoms games are a lot of fun. You should yeah. take a break because we've gone so, forty minutes talking about absolutely nothing. Oh yeah, yeah, let's let's take a break here and come back on the other side and I don't know, continue bullshitting about whatever. Uh, yeah, here's a here's a commercial for you. Enjoy. Welcome back, fam. I really hope you uh, you utilize that product and or service that was just sold to you <laughs> during our little uh, during our little break there. Uh, a Phantoms game would be fun, right? Like yeah. that would be a nice little. Yeah. I mean, they're, we, can they're get you, have... we can get we can get you off for a night, Chuck. Yeah, I mean, I could do that. It just as long as it's a night where there's not a Flyers yeah. game, I'd go. Right. What the hell? But yeah, no, and they they're they'll have some no, talent. Has to happen. They'll have some in- intriguing guys. I mean, like Zade Wisdom's turning pro, L.A. Zaynoye's turning pro, Samuel Urson's apparently healthy. I don't think Ronnie Adder's gonna make the team, but like like make the Flyers. But I think he'll be on the Phantoms, and he's fun. They still got Zamula. Brink will be there eventually when he gets healthy. Forster's turning pro. Like they're gonna have some interesting players. Now, how good they are, I don't know. But like they're gonna have some. Well, they still got guys. that coach. So yeah, that that that's fair. All right, Kelly. So you, I believe, put on Twitter about what do you want us to talk about. So what mm-hmm. did the masses want us to talk about? Well, first of all, <laughs> that face was incredible. <laughs> the the sick people who listen to this show, who I love with my life, um, a good a good number of them wanted us to talk about the Flyers, which is really fucking weird. It's <laughs> the matter um, with people. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, like, what would you do, like, within the rules of the real world? Like, how would you fix this mess? Which is pretty much just, like, trade for me. Like, you have to trade anybody with value for picks and then rebuild from the bottom up. Were there any questions that didn't have to do with how we fix the Flyers? Let's see. Could you discuss the Phillies' bullpen and how it might make sense to move <laughs> to the pen if Bailey Falter continues pitching well and Wheeler returns to full health? I really don't uh, you know. Ranger about the Phillies' bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> Ranger was a, a bullpen piece before. Uh, I just he might be their third best starter, but yeah, uh, that, he's that's hitting the this innings thing. limit. He's hitting this innings limit. Maybe it's a I way thought- to keep him. I don't know. I thought Ranger was turning the corner in August, but his last couple of starts have been kind of eh, especially after he gets through the through the lineup once. So I I can see the logic behind it. But then, that's exactly but, what I was gonna say. But the Wheeler the Wheeler concern is real. I I hope he can come back because they desperately need him. Totally agree, one hundred percent. Yep. Yep. With those things that I definitely it's, know. It's a lot all about. gonna come together at the exact right time. The Phillies haven't. The Phillies at no point this year had all the pieces at the same time. It's going to happen right before the playoffs. I'm oh, I love. You. I love this one. I'm optimistic. This isn't even a. This isn't even a question or like a request. This is just amazing, and it makes me laugh. It says whatever thing makes everyone but Charlie mad at the thing, and Charlie mad at the rest of you for getting mad at the thing. Love that. I feel like it would have to be something like if Bill and I like genuinely hated Jimmy Eat World and we were like, Charlie, Ooh. Jimmy Eat World sucks. Ooh. And then you would get mad at us. I would definitely get mad at you for that. <laughs> yes. No one likes Pearl Jam but me, so it could be that. I don't dislike but Pearl Jam. No I'm just cares. not like a diehard Pearl Jam fan. I like some of Pearl Jam songs. I just don't know them that well. Yeah, that's fair. I only know like Even Flow. 
good enough. Black is really good. Oh, that's that's the song where I pee at a concert. Black is my pee song. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that you have that. Fair. I like that you have it scheduled though. It's an like it's you an know hour. this is this is the time. If I have to pee at a Pearl Jam concert, I'm peeing during Black. Okay. That's the one. Okay. I'm sure that was information that everyone wanted to know about. All right. Oh, here's I one do. from from Flyperbole. Talk about the first Ooh. CDs you bought. <laughs> I like that, that oh. show. I've heard of it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Do you Would recommend. the first CD that you bought? Um, I, remember. I remember getting, I asked my mom for the Green Day CD. Which and one? And she got, oh, I wanted Dookie. Okay. And she went and actually got uh, 1039 smoothed out slappy hours, which oh, years later, wow, yeah, like their first out. Yeah. And I would like years later, like when I'm in middle school, I'm like, this fucking rocks. <laughs> and at the time, I'm like, this isn't the right one. Like, <laughs> I can't. What's what store did you go to that had this? And not yeah, right. yeah. I was Seriously, very she confused. Went to some, like independent record I know. store, like a weird like, section. And like, <laughs> I, like, I still have that first one I bought on my own. Ah. Uh, it might have been uh might have been an Iron Maiden album. I'm not sure. Okay. Fun. What do you got, Chuck? I remember vividly the first CDs I bought after I got into music were appropriately enough, Jimmy Eat Worlds. Uh it was their Bleed American album, but I bought it when it was just Jimmy Eat World self titled because they were they changed it to a self titled after nine eleven. Um, mm-hmm. so they still kept the name of the title track. Like the first song is still bleed American, but just the album is not called bleed American anymore. I got that. And then props. If anyone listening to the pod remembers this band, they were a local Philly band called burning brides. And they were played on Y 100, which was a station I listened to. They had this great single called Arctic snow, which I still love still slaps. And I bought their album, Fall of the Plastic Empire, alongside Jimmy Eat World's self-titled 2001 record. Peak Y100 was such a good time. Loved Y100. I literally... Like, it was so good. I dug up a Y100 bumper sticker in like one of my strong boxes about a year ago, and I immediately put it on my printer. Like I stuck it on my printer because I'm like, Y100, formative. Nice. Like that... If you talk about like formative music experiences, listening to Y100 is my formative music experience. Because it got yes. me into all like like it Matt got Ford. it gave me an education of the '90s alternative stuff. It gave me an education into punk rock, mm-hmm. and then they just started playing like emo pop punk when I was starting to listen to Y100. So then I got into that too. So like that was where it all stemmed from. And then when Y100 died, I got enough of an education that I could find music on my own. I remember when Y100 died, showing up to school that day, and there were a couple of kids in like my homeroom who hated everything except rap and they were like dancing they're like you lost you lost it's dead we're all like leave us alone yeah what did we ever do to you i just sit here with my headphones on and sleep all day leave me be i remember i went to the uh after it flipped i went to the protest at the art museum I made a sign and everything. Look at you. There, there was a protest. There was, yeah. That's outstanding. Yep. It's cr- oh, man. I really hope that. I forget. I was later. probably in like eighth grade, eighth grade or freshman year of high school, something like that. It just seemed very important to me at the time. It was <laughs> extremely important. 
Uh, Mine was 10, obviously. Okay. I distinctly remember it. It, right. it was so long ago, I'll age myself again. Oh, Charlie. Really... Oh, Stop. Yeah. No, Kelly was still talking. I thought she was done. Go ahead, Kelly. Oh, it's okay. It's not important. Continue. I was just going to troll. I was just going to troll Charlie and say, who's the captain? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hate you all. <laughs> Truly hate Guess you Guess what? All. It's you. Guess what? It's you. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. The real captain was the friends we made along the way. Every Okay, this uh, is an interesting one. Everyone's favorite bad movie, bad in quotation marks, that you can't stop watching. Like an in-depth, what about it makes it watchable for you? Could kill a solid 20 minutes with that. I, 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 have, the, I, I have an immediate answer. Go on. My favorite movie that I know is objectively bad, but I have watched probably 30 times and will watch every time it comes on is the Gone in 60 Seconds remake with Nicolas Cage. Fucking I, like, is love that, bad? that movie. Is that a bad movie? It I is think not that movie good. rules. It is not that a good movie. fucking car chase is amazing. When he jumps, up, when he jumps the bridge, it's yeah. incredible. The car chase is like 30 minutes long with him with it's the, Shelby, the movie. Shelby GT. Yeah. Yeah. The no, soundtrack like, is so good. Oh, yeah. But no, it's bad. I mean, you if you're looking at it with an objective critical eye, it is a bad movie. Like, Nicolas Cage is in full-on ham-it-up Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah. Like, full-on ham-it-up Nicolas Cage. It's right. not good. This is legitimately one of Frankie's favorite movies, so when he hears this, it's going to be hilarious. Uh, I'm really I mean, glad I love you brought it. that movie up. Don't get up. me wrong. Yeah. I absolutely love the movie. But I acknowledge it's not a good movie. To me, it's a great movie. His my buddy's low, low first rider, car lowrider, lowrider. My buddy's first car was a Mustang because Ow! of that movie. What do you, I mean, how rich was he? How fancy? <laughs> Fucking hell, man! I didn't know you had rich friends. Yeah, he just loved that movie so much. <laughs> I mean, did he get like the Mustang they dig up at the end of the movie that's like all rusted over and destroyed? Like, is that how he afforded it? No, no, it was new. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Bill. Uh, my favorite bit. I think this movie is horrible. However, it's like won awards and shit. Okay. I think The Departed is like legitimately bad. Do you really? Like it, it has no plot. There's no dialogue. Nobody has a fucking conversation in that movie. People are just straight up trying to be quotable. None of the conversations make any sense. Like, they, they're they trying so hard to be epic, they forgot to be good. It's truly horrible. Uh, but I love watching it. And while watching it, like texting my one friend and telling him everything that's wrong with every single scene. I, it's a very, I was saying before the show started how I just need more hobbies because I'm sitting here thinking about this hockey team and getting mad on a fucking Wednesday morning. Uh, <laughs> and like, this is one of my hobbies, pulling apart The Departed because it's, I think, a, 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 like objectively bad movie, but for some reason people believe it to be good. I don't know if mine are bad movies either, but I will watch them every time that they're on and they're kind of cheesy. It's Twister. Number one. Number two, National Treasure. Oh, National Treasure. The first one oh. or the second one. Nicholas National Cage Treasure is, is so good at making bad movies that are unbelievably watchable. Yes. The first, no, National, Tre the first National Treasure is brilliant. That's another it one is. I will watch it's it every tremendous. time it's on. Every yeah. time it's on, I will watch. 
The only the second th- one stinks. I will also watch that one though. The only bad thing I can say about National Treasure, the first one, is that they they did not have the guts to kill Sean Bean, and Sean Bean should die in every movie. Also, there's a point at which they're running from the bad guys, and they go from Independence Hall directly to the Reading Terminal Market. Oh yes, in like yes. three seconds. Yes, come and on. then and then they bounce out uh, like near City Hall. It's like yeah, come on, guys. Come the, on. You're doing a real roundabout sort of way here. I guess they're yeah. running, so it's possible that we just miss the, fast. but not that fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's like the Rocky Run. If you ran that route, you'd like die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kelly probably does it every weekend, but No. <laughs> You're like a marathon runner, aren't you? You're always oh, doing yeah. that shit. I don't You're know like, if Twister you, going back to Twister, I don't know if Twister's a bad movie. I just I suspect it hasn't aged well because it, it I haven't seen it in years, but number one, it it strikes me as a very nineties movie. Yes. And then number two, I suspect that the special effects did not age well. Yeah, that's the thing. Like at the time, yeah. it was like groundbreaking yeah. special effects, and looking at them now, it's like, all right, you guys did good. That's some of the like <laughs> good work. I think good a, try. I think a lot of the '90s stuff like holds up a lot better than the early 2000s stuff. I like, agree. Jurassic Park looks, I don't know, 140 times better than The Phantom Menace. Like it, it, it's not even close. Yes, yeah, I'd agree uh, with that. Like, Jurassic Park holds up. Jurassic, yeah. Jurassic Park absolutely holds up. My niece and nephew are into it. It's so practical good. Practical effects. I feel like practical yeah. which is why it holds up better. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just like build the fucking thing. I, I don't want people reacting to like a, a, a goddamn tennis ball on a string and then you put it in and post. Like <laughs> actually act. Like react to the goddamn shark. That's what makes the movie scary. But uh, whatever. Uh, uh, I only like bad movies. That's the thing, is I don't want, like, I don't, if so, oh, the, like, it's a three and a half hour epic, it's won all these awards, I'm like, I ain't watching that. That's never gonna happen. If a movie won- movies don't even get made anymore, though. <laughs> Unless it's a Tarantino movie. Yeah. Yeah. And all Tarantino movies are good. They're all good. Okay, let's see what other- I hated The Hateful Eight. I really thought that sucked. Yeah, that was kind of boring. But then, once upon a time in Hollywood it wasn't my was good. Favorite, oh, once, yeah, upon once upon a time, time was Hollywood awesome, was real good. Yeah, the the hateful age just struck me as like it's basically a a one like a one act play. Like that's like yes. it's all in the same spot. It could have just been a theater production. It's a it's a dialogue movie. Yeah, it's all dialogue. Yeah, well, like so's um, Reservoir Dogs, and that's objectively good. Yeah, true. But that but okay. the difference between Reservoir Dogs and Hateful Eight is that. Reservoir Dogs was intentionally cheaply made because they just didn't have any money. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Whereas the Hateful Eight is like, no, we're we're purposely like we we could make this into a blockbuster, but we want it to be like everybody in one room kind of thing. Would you consider all the Kevin Smith movies like quote unquote bad? Because I love them. No. They're masterpieces. I think so too. I think, like, did you see Jay and Silent Bob reboot? It's so much better than I expected. I cannot wait for Clerks 3. I I am extremely excited about Clerks 3. I had, like, such a low expectations for two. I was like, God, they're going to fuck this up. This is going to be so bad. And the way that I laughed so hard in the theater watching that movie that I thought I was going to die, it's. I saw saw Clerks 2 in theaters three times. I love that for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a huge Kevin Smith guy, but Clerks Two was funny. Um, Dog was funny. Um, Jay and Silent Bob is is good. 
Do Didn't we have like more questions? Amy. Never seen that. Didn't like it. Never seen that. Me. All right, let's see what um, favorite sporting event you've ever attended. Ooh, yeah. So mm. best game you, you saw in person. Or I guess for Bill, I mean, it's sporting event, so if you want to pick a wrestling thing, then sure. Hmm. Uh... When the Phillies won the East in 07, last day of the season was awesome. Like, mm. just such a build-up. Like, that, that was the game early. where the, the Mets were down, like, 8 nothing by the end of the first yeah. inning? Yeah. Getting there early, and people were, like, watching the out-of-town scoreboard, and it was like, the Marlins are killing the Mets. All the Phillies have to do today is win. Like, it was awesome. People, like, cheering the change in the scoreboard, and then the game starts. That's and, cool. like, everything unfolds. Jimmy Rollins gets his 20th triple to seal up the... Uh, seal up the mvp that was great uh maybe that one or the joe blanton home run game in the world series because oh, it was just cool. like this this they killed them it was like they're winning the fucking world series they don't even need to play game five. Well, they did need to play game five twice yeah twice <laughs> <laughs> because it's philadelphia uh mine definitely is the uh the shame victory grand slam game off cc sabathia that's up there yeah that that was one the loudest I've ever heard that ballpark. It was incredible. I only hockey, so mine is, it had to be a game during the 2010 run because that was like the peak of my Flyers fandom. Okay. And the, the Dan Carstillo overtime winner game sticks out for me just because I really liked him. I was and hoping you'd say... that was like say... such an, a ridiculous thing to happen for yeah, I was, Carstillo to win a game in overtime. Yeah, I was, I was at that game too. That was amazing. It was very fun. I was hoping you'd say the Dan Carcillo fight at the Winter Classic. That was also good. You know what's wild is that none of the Winter Classics, like, the games were never good. Like, the experience was cool, but, like, the games were never good. Well, the Boston one went to overtime, but it was, yeah. eh, it was boring outside of the fight. Uh, oh, that wasn't a Winter Classic, the, the, the game at the link that Giroux yeah. won in overtime. That wasn't yeah, a, that was yeah. a stadium series. Yeah. I didn't get to go to that one either, so it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we have uh, anything yeah, else? Uh, I don't know. Is there, are there any other questions we want to take on? Let me go through, see if there's one more that we can close it out with. Who is the captain? We already asked that, <laughs> and I already got angry. Now we're, yeah, I don't, I prefer not to get angry again. What, what are we going to do when they name a captain? It's, do we continue to yeah. What okay, happens uh, when they trade him at the deadline? All right, well, here, here's one. We can close it out with a music one. What, what's a band you've always wanted to see in concert, not just a show you could feasibly see now, but any time in history? Because I, 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 I have a very obvious answer for this. That's a good question. It's a really good question. What's your answer, Charlie? My answer is Queen. Without a doubt. Ooh, that's a good one. They fucked live. Yeah, I mean, Freddie Mercury, like, in his fucking prime. Are you kidding me? Like, that would have ruled. I might go, like, The Who in their prime. They were also really fucking good in their prime, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good choice. Yeah, The Who, don't say that is. Um... Maybe the Clash would be awesome. Ooh, Ooh. Would be cool. I, the Clash really... in like a small venue. Yeah, would, that that would fuck. It's my father-in-law saw them at like U Penn 
Some, like like something ridiculous. And I was like, that's that's, so cool. that's fucking that's insane. Uh, trying to yeah, that's a good one. That's I had tickets to the Rolling Stones and couldn't go, so I just really like need to see that because mm-hmm. they're like in reality, like there's so many like I'm never gonna get to see the Beatles or like the Clash or anything. Like the Rolling Stones, while you know a million, do still exist. <laughs> so like I do want to like knock all those them. out. Yeah. Next tour. That's a good one. Going. Yeah. I've been pretty lucky in that most of, like, the contemporary bands that I've wanted to see live, I've seen live. I've been to many concerts. Not Charlie-level many, but many concerts. Yeah, I've been lucky. Going that to Ezra pretty... a couple weeks, Charlie? <laughs> I am not. I am not going to Ezra, but enjoy it. Have fun. Um, I, uh, I'm lucky in that a lot of the bands that I got into after they broke up that I really, really liked have since reunited and I've been able to see yeah. them. Like, it's not the same. Like, it, w- it, would, it would be a totally different vibe seeing, like, at the drive-in when they were at their peak versus now. But at least I got to see them. Still good. Yeah, like, still, still a great live band. Just not, like, yeah. hanging from the rafters in a basement good. All right, I question. think... I think we have uh, fulfilled our contractual obligation I for the week. So. Yeah. I, I, promise all, nose, I, I promise you all. I uh, promise you all. We will have obviously more content once there's something to talk about. But this team refuses to do things uh, that are the least bit interesting. But we do have what we got two weeks. Well, Try prospects reports. Uh, prospects report in a week, September fourteenth. Oh, okay. yeah. So, so next, not this weekend, but next weekend is um the rookie games so they're playing mm. two rookie games one on friday night one on saturday night in allentown against the rangers rookies Ooh, that sounds fun. so i will be attending both those games nice and veterans must report uh nhl camp september 21st taking the ice for the first time with john tortorella september 22nd so it's coming it's uh it's it's been a fun it's 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 been a fun summer, not thinking about them much, except for, you know, once a week to do the show. Uh, but they will be back soon, and we will have all new things to talk about each week. So I'll, I promise I promise we'll get you there. Of course, checking out the competition and the uh, uh, post games are coming back, flyperbole sticking around, all the shit you love. So if you haven't already, you've got to hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, that content. It's a coming. It's soon. All right. That's all the time we have for you. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out. My name is Bill Matz for Steph, for Kelly, for Charlie. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!